Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven ring Ring with the harmonies of liberty Let us rejoice judge a man by his conscious behavior, by his intention. So I judge a man by his conscious behavior. It's not a case of being good and bad, good or bad, blacks and whites. It's a case of being good or bad human beings. I do have one final ask of you as your president. The same thing I asked when you took a chance on me eight years ago. I'm asking you to believe, not in my ability to bring about change, but in yours. I'm asking you to hold fast to that faith Written into our founding document, that idea whispered by slaves and abolitionists, that spirit sung by immigrants and homesteaders and those who marched for justice, that creed reaffirmed by those who planted flags from foreign battlefields to the surface of the moon, a creed at the core of every American whose story is not yet written. Yes, we can. The Civil Rights Movement was a struggle for social justice that took place mainly during the 1950s and 60s for black Americans to gain equal rights under the law in the United States. The Civil War officially abolished slavery, but it didn't end discrimination against black people. They continued to endure the devastation effects of racism, especially in the South. By the mid-20th century, black Americans, along with many other Americans, mobilized and began an unprecedented fight for equality that spawned two decades. Prior to World War II, most black people worked as low-wage farmers, factory workers, domestic, or servants. By the early 1940s, war-related work was booming, but most black Americans weren't given better-paying jobs. They also discouraged from joining the military. After thousands of black people threatened to march on Washington to demand equal employment rights, President Franklin D. Roosevelt issued Executive Order 8802 on June 25, 1941. It opened national defense jobs and other government jobs to all Americans regardless of race, creed, color, or national origin. Black men and women served heroically in World War II, despite suffering segregation and discrimination during their deployment. The Tuskegee Airmen broke the racial barrier to become the first black military aviators in the U.S. Army Air Corps and earned more than 150 distinguished flying crosses. Yet many black veterans were met with prejudice and scorn upon returning home. 
This was a stark contrast to why America had entered the war to begin with, to defend freedom and democracy in the world. As the Cold War began, President Harry Truman initiated a civil rights agenda and in 1948 issued Executive Order 9981 to end discrimination in the military. These events helped set the stage for grassroots initiatives to enact racial equality legislation and incite the civil rights movement. On December 1, 1955, a 42-year-old woman named Rosa Parks found a seat on a Montgomery, Alabama bus after work. Segregation laws at the time stated black passengers must sit in designated seat at the back of the bus and Parks complied. When a white man got on the bus and couldn't find a seat in the white section at the front of the bus, the bus driver instructed Park and three other black passengers to give up their seat. Parks refused and was arrested. As word of her arrest initiated outrage and support, Parks unwittingly became a mother of the modern-day civil rights movement. Black leaders formed the Montgomery Improvement Association (MIA), led by Baptist minister Martin Luther King Jr a role which placed him front and center in the fight for civil rights. Park's courage incited the MIA to stage a boycott of the Montgomery bus system. The Montgomery bus boycott lasted 381 days. On November 14, 1956, the Supreme Court ruled segregated seating as unconstitutional. In 1954, the civil rights movement gained momentum when the United States Supreme Court made segregation illegal in public schools in the case of Brown v. Board of Education. In 1957, Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas asked for volunteers for all black high schools to attend the formerly segregated school. In 1957, Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas asked for volunteers from black high schools to attend the formerly segregated school. On September 4, 1957, nine black students known as Little Rock Nine arrived at Central High School to begin classes but were instead met by the Arkansas National Guard or an order of the government over Fugus and a screaming, threatening mob. The Little Rock Nine tried again a couple of weeks later and made it inside, but had to be removed for their safety when violence ensued. Finally, President Dwight D. Eisenhower intervened and, and ordered federal troops to escort the, escort the Little Rock Nine to and from classes at Central High. Still, the students faced continual harassment and prejudice. Their efforts, however, brought much needed attention to the issue of desegregation and fueled protests on both sides of the issue. Even though all Americans had gained the right to vote, many southern states made it difficult for black citizens. They often required prospective voters of colors to take literacy tests that were confusing, misleading, and nearly impossible to pass. Wanting to show a commitment to the civil rights movement and minimize racial tensions in the South, the Eisenhower administration pressured Congress to consider new civil rights legislation. On September 9, 1957, President Eisenhower signed the Civil Rights Act of 1957 into law, the first major civil rights legislation since Reconstruction. It allowed federal prosecution of anyone who tried to prevent someone from voting. It also created a commission to investigate voter fraud. Despite making some gains, black Americans still experienced blatant prejudice in their daily lives. On February 1, 1960, four college students took a stand against segregation in Greensboro, North Carolina, when they refused to leave the Woolworths lunch counter without being served. Over the next several days, hundreds of people joined their cause in what became known as the Greensboro Sit-In. After some were arrested and some charged with trespassing, protesters launched a boycott for all segregated lunch counters until the owner's cave and the original four students were finally served at the Woolworths lunch counter where they first stood their ground. 
Their efforts spearheaded peace sit-ins and demonstration in dozens of cities and helped launch the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee to encourage all students to get involved in the civil rights movement. It also caught the eye of young college graduate Stokely Carmichael, who joined the SNCC during the Freedom Summer of 1964 to register black voters in Mississippi. In 1966, Carmichael became the chair of the SNCC, giving his famous speech in which he originated the phrase, Black Power. 